let a man so account of us. And as we saw last week, that word is impute. And if you want to understand what imputation really means, I think we get a real clear understanding of it with this. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He's not saying account us that, us that because we're not really that, but account us that anyway. He says, count us that because that's what we are. I've entitled this message, Faithful Servants and Stewards. Let a man so account of us, the apostles, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. A servant of Christ. Someone Christ has actually sent. He said, He that heareth you, heareth me. He that despiseth you, despiseth me. A servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God. Paul said earlier, we preach the wisdom of God in a mystery. I love that. We preach the wisdom of God in a mystery. He said to the Ephesians, pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. A servant, just a servant. It's not a high title. Not reverend or right reverend or all the titles men use in religion. I find them offensive. Just a servant. Paul a servant of Jesus Christ, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, separated unto the gospel of God, a servant. And the word is actually an under rower. It's the lowest form of servant. Down in the bottom of the ship, you got the men with the oars. Lowest form of servitude. That's what Paul calls himself. And really, isn't that what we all are? I don't like it when a preacher kind of distinguishes himself. I'm the servant of God. Um, we're all servants of God, if we're believers. We're all servants of God. I wouldn't want to uh, make some kind of clergy laity distinction. I find that offensive. The scripture finds it offensive. But there is such a thing as a servant of God, one whom he has sent, speaking his word. And what they preach is the mysteries mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now, what is meant by mystery? I've said this many times, but maybe you haven't heard it. A mystery is something we would never have known had not God made it known in his word. Um, would you have ever known, would you have ever guessed through your diligent studying 
And meditation, would you ever know, have, would you have ever known that God is one God in three distinct persons? You've never known that. The only way you know it is God has made it known in his word, this glorious mystery. And a servant of Christ is called on to be a steward of the mysteries of God. Now, if a man is that, a servant of Christ, a steward of the mysteries of God, and I fail to recognize it, I put myself in a very dangerous position. If a man is a servant of Christ and a steward of the mystery of God. And I've also, I was thinking about this. If you are, you don't have to prove it. People know. I don't have to convince you. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. You'll know by what I preach. Not by me convincing you. Oh, he's a, a servant of Christ. He's a, you know, a lot of preachers try to... Uh, Get people's affirmation like that. I don't want to do that. But I do want to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And a steward of his mysteries. You know, Paul said to the Galatians, with regard to this thing of being a servant, for I do, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I yet please men, I should not be the servant of of Christ. If I have, if I'm popular with the world, you know what that means? I'm not a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, there's a sense in which all men are his servants. I'm his servant. If you're a believer, you're his servant. If you're an unbeliever, you're his servant. You might not know it, but you're doing his will. You know, those men who drove the nails in the hands and feet of Christ. They were his servants doing his will. They were doing what he caused them to do. Uh, he's the Lord of the dead and the living. Every unbeliever, he's their Lord. I, you know, I love saying that. I particularly like, like if, if somebody's saying, he's not my Lord. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is whether you like it or not. He's your Lord because he is the Lord. But oh, he's especially the Lord of the believer. We love his Lordship. We you know, people have talked about the lordship issue. Lordship is not an issue. <laughs> not an issue at all. He's the Lord. And he's my Lord. I love the way Paul said a servant of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle. So in that sense, all men are his servants. But I want to hear someone who is his servant as far as preaching. I want to hear somebody who is, who's his servant. You know, when I listen to a man, and I've said this before, but think about it. When I listen to a man, there are three things that are absolutely necessary for me to listen to that man. First, he's got to have God's message from the Bible. I'm not interested in anything he has to say. I'm not interested in his opinions or his thoughts. He has to have the message of the Scripture, God's message. He needs to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. And secondly, that man that's preaching, he's got to live what he believes. I'm not going to listen to him if he doesn't. Now, when I say that, I realize that any man is fallible and sinful. Whoever the preacher is, he's fallible, I'm fallible, I'm sinful. You know how sinful you are? That's how sinful I am. That, that's so. 
I recognize that, but I'm not going to listen to a man unless he's dedicated his life to the Lord. He's all in. This is his only desire. I've got to have that or I'm not interested in what he has to say. And thirdly, that man has to have my best interests at heart. If I'm part of his ministry, I'm not interested. He's got to have my best interests at heart. Not me, me being part of his program and part of his kingdom and part of his preaching. I don't have any interest in that. I don't want to listen to a man like that. I want to hear somebody who truly wants me to know the Lord. That's really all he cares about. That I know the Lord. That I'm found in him. Now, Paul says, let a man account us. Let a man account us as ministers, servants of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, a steward is not an owner. You know, if someone manages a farm, that farm doesn't belong to him, does it? None of it belongs to him. He's not the owner of it. It belongs to somebody else. A steward's not the author. He doesn't make these things up. Here's what I think. Here's my take on it. A steward faithfully delivers the mysteries of God. That's his one job. To proclaim the mysteries. Things we would have never known had not God made them known in his word. You'd have never come up with this. I'd never come up with it. And you know this thing of mystery. I love, I love the mystery of mystery. It's so powerful. It's so glorious. I, don't, I can't explain the mysteries of God. I proclaim them. I, it, it's beyond the ability of anybody to explain the mysteries of God. Can I explain uh, the Trinity, how God is one God in three distinct persons? Of course I can't. Can I give you an illustration? What's well, like this. No, this is all otherworldly. It's glorious. There, it's, it's other. I believe it. I don't understand it. I believe it. I believe the mysteries of the scripture. Uh, they're, they're beyond intellectual comprehension. You just believe. You can't understand the Trinity, can you? One God in three distinct persons? You can't understand eternal union with Christ, how I've always been united to him even before time began. I was noticing when you read that psalm, Psalm 77, when he, the first nine verses, he, he talks so down about his experience. And then he said, this is my infirmity. But then he said, I'll remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'll remember his eternal, unending work. And what a mystery to think that every aspect of salvation was accomplished before creation. Isn't that mysterious? Isn't that glorious? And you know, if I'm depressed about myself, what a, what a blessing to remember that all my salvation was already accomplished before I was ever born. It's all taken care of. Mystery. The great mystery of godliness. Now the word mystery is used 27 times in the New Testament. And what it, when he asks, he says, pray for me that I'll preach the mystery of God with boldness. He does that twice in the New Testament. Pray for me that I'll preach the mystery of God with boldness, with clarity, with, with the proper fear and reverence. I don't want to have some kind of cocksure, arrogant attitude about this. I'm scared. I don't want to misrepresent the Lord. But I want to preach the mystery of God with boldness, thus 
saith the Lord. I don't apologize for what he says. I glory in what he says. Timothy, preach the word. Whatever the word declares, whatever the mystery is, preach it. Don't apologize for it. Don't explain it away. Don't try to lower it down. Preach it as God makes it known in his word. Now, let me give you some things in the New Testament that are called mystery. Would you have ever known that the just shall live by faith? Would you ever just figured that out? That I, I believe the just live by faith. You'd have never known that. You wouldn't even suspected it. I, I love what Charles Spurgeon once said. He, he said, uh, if God asked the angels how he could be just and justify the ungodly, he said they'd still be scratching their head. <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. You couldn't figure it out. The mystery of the faith. That's what he calls it in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. The mystery of the faith. Also called in Titus 1.1, the faith of God's elect, the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Now, we could have never figured out unless God revealed to us, the just shall live by faith. Four times that's written. The just, the justified. I'm either just or I'm unjust before God. I'm either righteous or I'm unrighteous. The just. The just, the justified. What does justified mean? When that publican beat on his breast, crying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. What did the Lord say about that man? He said, I say unto you. This man went down to his house, not forgiven. He was. Not shown mercy, although he was. He went down to his house justified, sinless, having never sinned. That's the glory of the gospel, how God can be just and justify somebody like me. The Lord said that regarding this man. He went down to his house justified. Now, if you're justified... All the sin you have on your heart and soul, the sins you've committed in the last 24 hours, the sins you're so ashamed of, you never did them. <laughs> yeah, I did. No, you didn't. Not if Christ put them away. They've been canceled. They've been expunged from the universe. They're gone. You stand before God having never sinned. Does that excite you? To think that you can actually stand before God having never sinned. Oh, the just shall live. I'll, eternal life. The life of God in the soul. The just shall live. Oh, spiritual life. And you hath he quickened, hath he given life to who were dead in trespasses and sins. The just shall live. Oh, this is life. Living by faith. This, this stuff here is not life. I love it when the Lord... Uh, said when you enter into life, this here in life, when you enter into life, that's, that's when you live. The just shall live by faith. Not by works. By faith. Looking to Christ only. 
the just shall live by faith. Listen to this scripture, Romans chapter 4, verse 5, to him that worketh not. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand that you cannot, if, if you can't be saved, unless you do something before God can save you, you don't have any hope? Do you understand that? To him that worketh not, you know you can't be saved by your works. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. The just shall live by faith. The mystery of faith. We would have never known that had not God made it known, but thank God he has made it known. He gives life. He gives faith. We're just before him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will. Now, if somebody came up to me on the street and said, I know the will of God. You know what I think? You're an idiot. I don't believe you. Don't believe you for a second. You'd think the same thing. I hope you would. Uh, I know God's will. I, I know God's will for you. I know, no, you don't. But if somebody shows me from the scripture what God's will is, having made known unto us, it's by revelation, having made known. I think of what the Lord said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. Salvation by revelation. Having made known the mystery of his will. Now, I know the will of God. Let me quote the scripture. I'll tell you that. Christ said, I came down from heaven. I love it when he says that. Uh, you know, if I said to you, I came down from heaven, you'd say, What? He says what we know he did. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me. There's a people God gave to Christ, the elect. He gave them to Christ before time began. This is God's will, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. If he could lose one, they'd all be lost. But he's not going to lose one. You see, he's the successful Savior. When he said it is finished, they were all saved. Their sins were paid for. Salvation accomplished. This is God's will. That all that the Father giveth me, those that have come to me, I'd lose nothing but raise them up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him has, hath, means he's got it, everlasting life. Do you see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Come on, do you? Do you believe he's the creator? Do you rely on him as your salvation? You have eternal life. It's God's will. We know the will of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. You can write these down. You can look at it if you, if you want. Here's another mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. Great 
is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The eternal God, whom the universe cannot contain, lived in a womb for nine months. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. What he did, God justified what he did by justifying everybody he did it for. Justified in the spirit. Scene of angels. I love thinking about this. People, uh, all these, there's always programs on TV about angels and angels this and angels that. There's a lot of things like that. Angels aren't interested in any of the stuff going around here. They're not even interested. But I'll tell you what, they, you can bet that every second of his life, angels were watching everything he did in amazement. The elect angels were. I love the way Paul calls them elect angels. The only reason they're not fallen is because they were elected by God. You know, nobody ever complains about God electing angels. They complain about him elected men, but they don't complain about him electing angels. But the angels are called the elect angels, aren't they? And you can be sure that they watched every second of his life in utter amazement, which things angels desire to look into. And then... The next thing he says in the mystery of godliness is he was preaching to the Gentiles. Me and you. Do you find that mysterious? Glorious? That you are allowed to hear the gospel preached? Are you amazed by that? That you're sitting there right now and you know there's a lot of people that never hear the gospel. And the Lord has given you the grace. He's given me the grace to hear the gospel. Oh, I'm so thankful I've heard the gospel. And then he says, um, believed on in the world. That's a mystery that anybody believes this. <laughs> I mean, it, it, uh, most people don't. But it's a great mystery. If God gives you the grace to believe, you've been uh, blessed with the great mystery of the gospel to believe on, to believe on him. What a, do you find a mysterious, really, you find a mysterious that you believe. You know, I really do believe the gospel. I, do, I believe the gospel. What a mystery. What an amazing occurrence. And then, after he's believed on the world, he was received into, the, into glory as the successful Savior. Great is the mystery of godliness. What a what about this? Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, it's there at the end of the chapter when Paul had been giving those instructions concerning marriage. And he talks about the two, quoting from Genesis chapter 2, the two shall be one flesh. He talks about the union of a man and woman in marriage and the act of intimacy making them one. And he said, I'm not talking about human marriage. I'm talking about Christ in the church. The union that exists between Christ and the church. Now, what a mystery. Claire, I think this is what we were talking about this morning. Um, that I've always been in Christ. There's never been a time. Now, I know, uh, logically, Christ. I mean, 
Christ is first. Christ be my first elect, he said. Then he chose us in him, our living head. I know Christ becomes before me, but that being said, I've always been in the beloved before time began. There was never a time when I did not have personality before God. Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For the which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. What a mysterious thing that I'm united, one with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the way the Lord used the analogy of the uh, vine and branches. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and this is how close this union is. There's not a connecting point between the stem that goes through the, the branches. The same stem going through the vine goes through the branches. No connecting point. One, not just close together, one with the Lord Jesus Christ, eternally one. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Paul said, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ in you. What about when Paul said, when it pleased God? Galatians 1.15, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his Son to me? You see, if all he did, I know myself enough to know this. If all he did was revealing to me, I'd forget. It wouldn't last. But he didn't merely reveal himself to me. He revealed himself in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for Christ in me. Christ liveth in me. I love that hymn we sing. I'm amazed by it. You think you're, you're dumbfounded by it. You're staggered by it. But this is true with regard to every believer. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, is that a glorious mystery? Is that a grand mystery? Christ in you. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The mystery of the resurrection. Would you have ever figured that out? Had he not made it known? I, I love to think of the resurrection. There are three resurrections taught in the scripture. The bodily resurrection of Christ. And what... What, how thrilling it is to think of him laying there dead in that tomb for three days and all of a sudden he opens his eyes. I love to think about that. He lives. Why seek ye him that lives among the dead? What a question. His physical resurrection, he was delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification. 
There's the spiritual resurrection of the believer when we're dead in sins and he says live and we live. And that final resurrection when we're given glorified bodies. I love to think of this, you know, in, in heaven. Nobody there will mean less to me or more to me than sin will. I'll, I'll look at you and I'll look at you like everybody else. There won't be these family relationships. There won't be these, everybody's one in Christ Jesus. And everybody's beholding his face. And David said, as for me, I'll behold thy face in righteousness. I'll be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. Oh, the mystery of the resurrection. Glorious mystery. We read in First Thessal or Second Thessalonians 2.7 of the mystery of iniquity. And that's the mystery of the harlot of Babylon. False religion. Works religion. We would never know this had not God made it known to us. Turn to Romans chapter 16 for a moment. Now here's what a steward is. He preaches. He makes known. He declares the mysteries of God. Verse 25 of chapter 16, Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that's of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. The steward is to preach to make known the mysteries of the gospel. Now go back to our text. 1 Corinthians 4. Verse 2, moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found, what, brilliant, talented, a great speaker, charismatic personality? No, one requirement, faithful. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. As a matter of fact, what is the one measure of success, if I can use that word? I can't look at anything and say, yeah, the Lord's blessing that. I don't know if he is. I hope he is. I can't look if, if I'm preaching to 10 or 10,000. I can't say, well, the Lord must be blessing. Look, this part, this, that, that. No. The only measure of success is faithfulness to declare the mysteries of God. That's the only measure of success. If you have, maybe some of you do, let's say you got a million dollars. It's a lot of money. And somebody's going to take care of it for you. What is your one requirement for that person? Faithfulness. Honesty. You don't want them stealing your money. But they're going to take care of it for you. What you want is faithfulness. It's required. This is the one requirement of a steward. It's required 
in a steward. That a man be found faithful. Would you turn to Acts chapter 20 for just a moment? I'm going to read this passage without making a lot of comment on it, but this is what faithfulness is. Acts chapter 20. Verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to the Ephesians and called the elders of the church. Acts 20, 17. And when they were come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. How? Serving the Lord. With all humility of mind. Humility is a just estimate of yourself. What do you have that you didn't receive? Who makes you to differ from somebody else? That's on down. We're going to see that in the next few weeks in this passage of Scripture. Serving the Lord with all humility of mine with many tears. Tears about myself. Tears of joy. Tears of sorrow. Tears with regard to the people I'm preaching to. With many tears. And temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. If I'm faithful, the religious people aren't going to like me. And uh, Paul says that. The lying in wait of the Jews. He says in verse 20, How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house my public preaching and my private conversation were the same. I didn't have one message in public and another message in private. They were all the same. And here's what it is. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Everybody gets the same message. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. A change of mind about God. And faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. How, how do you reckon Paul felt? Everywhere he went, he knew I'm either going to get thrown into prison, I'm going to be beat with a cat of nine tails. He knew something horrible was going to happen to him. I'll tell you what, Paul was a man's man, wasn't he? He probably didn't have a, a, an appearance of that. But I tell you what, he, he says, I know everywhere I go. I'm going to get whipped for preaching the gospel. But, verse 24, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. You're not going to see me anymore. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I'm pure from the blood of all men, for I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now, that's what faithfulness is, declaring all the counsel of God. Verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. 
For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I told you this is going to happen. And now therefore, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I wasn't trying to get your stuff. Yea, you yourselves know how that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he thus spoke and he kneeled down and prayed with them all and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now that is faithful to the mysteries of God. With regard to this thing of faithfulness, I'm going to close with this. The faithfulness Paul possessed and I hope we all possess. Listen to his words in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He said, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful. He enabled me to be faithful, and he counted me as such. Putting me into the ministry. Proverbs 13, 7, 17 says, A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Proverbs 14, 5, A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Proverbs 20, verse 6, Most every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Boy, isn't that true? But everybody will proclaim their own goodness, but a faithful man. Faithful to the word, who can find? Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are death. May we all be enabled to be faithful. You believe, and you can be believed. That's a simple definition of faithfulness. You rely you can be relied on. I want to be that good and faithful servant. May the Lord enable us all to be faithful to his word. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for the mysteries of your gospel. How we thank you for your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, how we thank you that you always act according to who you are and you always act according to your word. And Lord, we ask that you would make us faithful men and women. We believe and we can be believed. We rely and we can be relied upon. Lord, make every one of us that by your grace. Bless this word for your glory. 
Give us all faith in Christ. Enable us to look to him only. How we thank you that the just shall live by faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.